Welcome to C3 Church, Queens Beach. We believe Jesus Christ gives life to the full and we are called to live it and share it. We pray you enjoyed this message today. So good to be here. I'm sharing a message with us that uh, we just shared at, at home, Hepburn Heights, uh, a few minutes ago as we just jumped in the car and driven here. And it's a six-point message and we got through about 2.7 points. So uh, we're just going to make it a three-point message here today, which means I've already prepped next week. Yeah, high five me. It's uh, so good. Yeah, yeah that's right. So, so this, is, this is called Ephesians Smorgasbord. And, and if you're not sure, like uh, the smorgasbord is, uh, is probably not as cool as it used to be, right? It, it used to be, I remember growing up, the all-you-can-eat buffet, the, the smorgasbord was, was really something special. And I, I, I enjoyed it. And do you have, if you hit one of those smorgasbords, do you have a, a go-to is there something that you're going straight into, Kylie? What? What? The sea? It is. It's the. It's typically. Where's the king prawn? Find the king prawn and dive. And and it does make sense that you would hit the most expensive items. <laughs> like if you just go get the bread off the all-you-can-eat buffet, you you can buy bread cheap elsewhere, right? I actually remember at Miss Maud's we had an all-you-can-eat smorgasbord. Uh, 25 years ago, I guess, and we got the king prawns, and there were helium balloons there. It was someone's birthday. It might have been mine. And we tied the king prawns to the helium balloons and getting the, the, white, the right weight ratio so that the prawns would just hover. And uh, with the right size prawn, the right amount of balloons, it's an interesting little visual I actually, I just love the, the roast meat. Uh, and if you're a vegetarian, I apologize. Uh, I also like potatoes. Uh, roast potatoes are good. You've got to kill them real good in the oven. Roast them. So I've been stuck in the book of Ephesians uh, most of the, certainly the back end of this year. And so this, this message you'll hear kind of part one here and, and you can listen to the podcast part two at HH next week. And it's a bit of a smorgasbord. There was going to be six points. Now it's down to three. So there's three things on the buffet for you. So you can just come and, and choose which one is for you here today. Here's our, our first thought. It comes from Ephesians 3.20. And so our, our springboard scriptures are going to be from the book of Ephesians. Ephesians 3.20. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine. Some translations say think. So think or imagine. And we have these, these two separate thoughts that are woven into this scripture here. There's a lot of ways we can go. But I want us to think about the ask that God can do immeasurably more. And so we have to help ourselves to grow into that headspace where we can continue to believe that He is who He says He is. So He can do immeasurably more than we could ask or imagine. 
Now, these two things are put side by side in the text. Ask or imagine. And it, it kind of makes sense for us here, the ask. And, and we typically, if we've been around for any length of time, we understand that there is a prayer component where we would come before God. We would come boldly before the throne of grace. And, and we would ask, we would pray, and that our prayers would come before the throne room of heaven. And we would understand that that is a good thing, a powerful thing that it can help shift some of heaven's heartbeat into earth's reality, that our, our prayers are heard in heaven. You, you with me? We, we got that. But we need to also get this. God can do immeasurably more according to what we ask or imagine. So if our prayers are heard in the throne room of heaven, what plays on the TV screen of our imagination is shown in the halls of heaven. Now this we're like, yeah, it's awesome. This, you know what goes on inside your mind. And so the thought of everything that happens in here being played up there, I just want to stay over this side. That's our imagination is powerful. And it's an interesting thought here. What actually echoes louder in the halls of heaven? Is it our prayers, our words, or is it what is even deeper than those, what's happening in here? Just as he hears, he sees. It's wonderful and horrible all at the same time. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than we could ask or imagine. Einstein said this, logic will get you from A to B. Imagination will take you everywhere. He continues and says, imagination is more important than knowledge. This is Einstein. More important than knowledge because knowledge is limited, but imagination encircles the world. And Einstein here understood something of what God has given to us as humans. We have this glorious ability to imagine that this is a gift, what has been placed inside of our noggin, this ability to imagine things as though they were. This is the essence of faith. Faith is being sure of what we hope for, certain of what we do not see. That there is an ability to see something in this realm of imagination that we can then step towards that shapes the earth. And so this is powerful. And if we want to be an overcoming Christian, we need to know something about how the prayer space works. And we hear this talked about a reasonable amount. But we need to clearly understand the power of what happens inside of our thinking and our imagination. Because our thoughts can be warring against our prayers. The double-minded person receives nothing, the Bible tells us. And so it's an essential that we let God into the space of our imagination, into the place of our thoughts. And I remember, uh, some of you would know Peter Jackson. He's a wonderful man who's been a part of Shiloh, the early years of our church. Uh, and he used to do these massive big 
tent outreach meetings where kids would come and, and these big kind of kids rallies and, and it, was, it was amazing and, and Peter Jackson was sitting in Hepburn Heights this morning and beautiful guy uh, still serving the Lord uh, in his you know, more mature years. Anyway, I remember about, it was probably nearly 25 years ago, I was a, a 19 year old and I just properly got my life right with God and so I was hungry. I was like, God, I want to know you more. I'm in. I'm not just talking about the God thing. I'm diving in. You've got all of me. Just, you got to help me because there's a lot of mess here, but you've got all of me. And I remember in one of these tent meetings, they would, all the kids would go home during the day and then we'd have a youth meeting in the tent at nighttime. And so there was this, this preacher dude, I can't remember who it was, but I remember he, he spoke out of 2 Corinthians 10.5. And I must have heard... I don't know how many thousands of messages from 19 to 43, I think. Is that right? Something like that. Um, I don't know how many thousands of messages I've heard. This, this grabbed a hold of me. This was a word from God for me as a 19-year-old. As I was grabbing a hold of things going, God, I, I know how messed up I am. I know the inclinations of this heart which war against the call of God for me. I need, I need your help. 2 Corinthians 10.5 talks about taking captive every thought and making it obedient to Christ. And the, the way he explained it and something of this word of God, it got into me. I take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ, where we would not be captive to the thoughts that play in our mind, but that we would make a decision to have authority over our mind in Jesus' name and to dictate into that space because this is where our imagination lives. This is where faith will be awakened or crushed in our mind. And remember, what's on this TV screen in our mind is played in heaven, it comes before heaven, and it's a it's a part of this this somehow glorious mix of asking and seeing, asking and believing that comes before God and starts to unlock some of his endless resource. So we take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. I, I want you to think of it this way. It's like you've got a TV screen inside of your mind. And I talk to teenage guys about this regularly. TV screen in our mind. Now, as a normal human, you don't have to go looking for dodgy things to come up on this TV screen. They'll just happen. It's normal. Don't beat yourself up that the thought comes. It's what you do with it when it comes that matters. Just We are creatures of this world and... This is a process of taking captive what is on that screen, not bowing to it or thinking it should dictate, but no, through the victory of Christ, I take authority over what plays on that TV screen in the realm of my imagination. So here was, I can't remember if this was a part of the preach or not when I was 19, but this is how it kind of became real for me. So I'm a 19-year-old guy. Let's just be real. I've got crazy hormones running through my body. Uh, I'm a normal human. And so things would play on this TV screen that weren't righteous, that weren't God's best for me. I didn't have to go searching for them. They just appeared in there. So then what do I do? And the reality is each of us still have this in some form. Maybe it's a negative image. 
Maybe it's an image that loves to rewind something that happened years or decades ago. And we pull it back up in technicolor onto the TV screen in our mind. And it's designed to be the past, old, finished, forgiven. But we play it here as though it was yesterday. And so it stays with the same degree of power in our world as it did when it happened. And that's not his best for us. But we've made a choice to entertain it. So this happens in our minds. So here was the picture for me. Images on the TV screen in my mind. And the more visual you are as a person, the more this kind of makes sense. And so I would just shake the image off. Shake it, literally. I'd shake my head. Yeah, get off. And what I'm picturing, the TV screen going static. And it's just the fuzz coming onto the TV screen as I shift off that image. I'm taking authority over that image. Shake it off. Now, it's unhelpful if you do this too much in public. Because <laughs> you look strange. <laughs> like, what are you doing? Oh, I'm just taking captive every thought. Uh, making it obedient. Don't be that type of Christian. That's weird. It's, uh, yeah. Yeah. So... Be wise in the way you act towards outsiders. And, and so we, we have to be wise in how we describe our Christianity to people who have got no concept, especially in Australia. 90% of the people we meet have got no context for the Christianity that we would understand. And so we have to be wise in how we describe it. So that's all, all good. Let's just keep doing that together. How we post online, it matters. Uh, we'll come to that. Take captive every thought, make it obedient to Christ. So shake it off, shake it off. And then I want the Word of God. I want His promises on that TV screen, who He says I am, who He calls me to be, what His future looks like, so that this, this gift that we've been given, this ability to imagine that this would be redeemed by God where His images would be alive on this screen, that we could be picturing a tomorrow that is alive in the realm of faith inside of us that we then step out to with our natural lives. We step in with victory because we've seen something that doesn't exist, but now we're going to, with His power, see it become so on planet Earth. And anyone who's done anything for the glory of God of value has had an element of this happening in our lives. And so let's be those people where his images are alive in our mind. Immeasurably more than we could ask, ask or imagine. God, take our minds. Let them be yours. Second thought. I, I learned something this week from my nine-year-old son. My nine-year-old son who came a few months ago and said, Dad, I want to do chess club. I was like, chess club, that sounds a bit nerdy. Uh, can't you do like fight club? They uh, have UFC at school. Do, do, no, I was like, okay, chess club, it's great. That's got to be good for your brain. It's, uh, that's good. Okay, so buddy, do chess club. He comes home from chess club this week and says, dad, I learned something. It's called... En passant. I was like, so you learned what? And he, he couldn't remember the exact pronunciation, and I can't get it right anyway. He's like, oh, it's something like en passant. 
I was like, what is this chess club? Uh, en passant. And so we, anyway, we, we Googled it, and it's a, it's a French word which means in passing, and it's something like en passant. That could be totally wrong, but it's, yeah, if you do French, you can, however you say, in passing, en passant. Anyway, so what it is, it's a move in chess that's a pawn capture. So the, the pawns are the little, little useless ones that are, that are all in a row, all in a row on the, you know, kind of the, the second row. So they're all in a row. And when you move a pawn, you know, the first time you're moving that pawn, you can move it one square, just straight ahead. They can only move straight ahead. So you move it one square straight ahead. Or on the first move, you have the option. You got options. You can move it two squares. Okay, are you with me so far? That's right. This is, I'm like, yes, Levi. Yep, that's right. You see, I've been playing chess for over 30 years. I've maybe only played it six or seven times, but I, uh, <laughs> I get it, I, and I, I know the rules. And so I'm like, yeah, okay, yep, you move it. And he's like, but do you know you can, and he explained in a way that partially made sense that hopefully I can do a better job for you. So it works better with a visual, but I, I didn't organize that, so just roll with me. Okay, so... It's the first move for this, say, say the, the black team. Then they move two squares, okay? So they've moved their pawn two squares. Now, if you're the, the white team, well, that's, I don't know if that's bad. I'm not trying to be racist. Are you allowed to say that now? Can we go the, it's good, just, my chest is things of some are black, some are white. It's, uh, it's all good. So, and then do we need to have colored ones as well, just to round it out, all the South Africans? It's, uh, so then we make sure everyone's in, I don't know. Anyway, it's, uh, so you move, so is it the black team down here, move two squares, okay? Two squares. And now if you're the white team and your pawn is here next to it, okay? So it's just, it's next to it. Now you can't take it because pawns can't take sideways. They can only take diagonally. So they move straight unless they're going to take someone and then they can move diagonally. Now, on person. This blew my mind. You can, if you're the white team here, you can actually take this, this black pawn by you move diagonally below it to where it would have been if it had just moved one square. If it had just moved one square, it would have been back here. And so you, you now can, because you're coming this way, you can move behind it where it would have been and take it off the board and it's gone. On person. And Levi told me this, I'm like, you're an idiot. That's not true. Pawns can't do that. And I was convinced he was wrong, that he had heard it wrong, he had learned it wrong. So again, we Googled it on these proper chess websites, not just trusting the first reference, we're cross-referencing. And on passant is a real deal. You can do that. Now, the Bible says... The Bible says in Ephesians 1.17, this is written to Christians, okay? To Christians in the church in Ephesus and the churches that surround. Ephesians was designed to be read out loud. This is not like the other epistles that was a letter to a specific. This was designed to be for the specific, but also through the churches that surrounded. This is a homily. This was designed to be read out loud, all six chapters, like a 30-minute preach coming out. And here, so it's, this is written to the church. And Paul says here in Ephesians 1.17, I keep asking that the, Lord, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, 
the glorious Father, may give you, all you Christians, who are already Christians, who already have a connection with Christ, who have already learned stuff and been discipled, who have maybe been in this for, for a day or for weeks or maybe for years. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you, all of you, all of us, the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you can know him more. More. So I keep asking that these people who already know him would know him more. These people who have learned a whole lot of things would understand that there is still more. That when they think they've got the rules of chess figured out in their Christian experience, that someone who maybe knows more, who's seen more, who's gone further in God, could say something and, and on person, there was more. And maybe when we first heard it, when someone told you about the depths of God's grace, it was like when Levi told me about on person, and I'm like, no, that is ludicrous, Levi. Pawns can't do that. And maybe you've got grace in a box that's too small. And we need an en passant moment where we realize there's more. There is more. Maybe when we think we've got his love figured out and the depths of his love for you and what that does and what that can liberate us from and the strength and the confidence that that can build inside. Maybe when we think we've got that figured out, we need an en passant moment where we go, oh my goodness, I knew his love, but it goes far deeper than I could ever understand. Or it goes far higher into the realms of my intellect than I could ever understand. And now I see things in a whole new way. And we can't, and the danger for many of us who have been following Christ for years or decades is that we box God into the realm of our experience and there are others who have experienced something maybe even deeper or richer or more, or where we've limited God because of our way of understanding or our upbringing. Or, and that's why we need each other so that we can have these on person moments where I go, God was actually bigger than the box that I put him in. I go, on person. So it's important that we, Ephesians 4 verse 2, and we have this, segue in the middle of Ephesians as we go from the, the foundation, the theology, the outworking, the basic doctrines that are talked about in the first three chapters, and then we have this prayer at the end of Ephesians 3 that then rolls into the first couple of verses of Ephesians 4 that then flips it all into now here's how you live it. This is what it looks like in your marriage, in your friendships, in your family as you're fathering, in all of these things. Here's how you do spiritual warfare in light of all of this. And so we read Ephesians 4, 5, and 6 in light of Ephesians 1, 2, and 3. And in the segue moment, when it comes to our interpersonal connections, which are the, the foundation that our core lives in. It starts with, be humble. This is, the, this is the Apostle Paul giving this rally cry for these churches that he is so passionate about and inspired by the Holy Spirit. He's saying, come on, 
take a hold of everything I've just outlined for you in these three chapters, the glorious victory of Christ, the power and authority that are in Him, what He's released for you. And now live a life worthy of your call, Ephesians 4.1. And now Ephesians 4 verse 2, be humble. It's a different type of rally cry. Be humble. God, I get it wrong sometimes. I may not have this all figured out perfectly. We carry a teachable spirit into the places we meet where if there's someone who's got a greater degree of fruitfulness in their Christian life, there's a very good chance that they've figured something, else, something out in God that you haven't. And so instead of judging, we come with an open heart to learn that instead of enforcing my view of exactly how I think the Bible works, to understand that there is a far bigger spectrum in the body that's within inside of the scope and where Calvinists and Arminians don't go fisticuffs at each other, but we go somehow in the awesome expression of who God is. He's actually bigger and broader than any of us are ever going to fully comprehend. And so let's not get bogged down on the detail. Let's dive into His grace. Let's be humble. Be humble. And so how we post online needs to come through this filter. Be humble. And then the next is be gentle. Be patient. Oh, this kills me. <laughs> Paul, can't you write some cool stuff? Be strong. Be brazen with the gospel. Swing your sword. If there's collateral damage, whatever. Nah, be humble, gentle. And yes, there's a strength here. Humility doesn't equal a lack of strength. It's our greatest position of strength. So this is a disciple, lifelong learner. We got our, our third point. And uh, here we go, our, our finale. Sean, can I get you to come join me? Thank you. So, okay, so Sean, just come here for me. Yeah. So just face these guys. So you just had an upgrade. You are now Father God. Okay, so uh, congratulations. Congratulations. And, uh, and so now... <laughs> Yeah, and he's pumped. She's like, I always knew he was special. It's uh, <laughs> so no, no heresy here. It's uh, it's all good. And and Joel, can you can you come and and uh, just stand over over here for us and face everybody? And so Joel Rodman, you are now the son. So we have the father, and uh, we have we have the son. Here we go. Let's read together Ephesians one. Ephesians 1, 19 through to 23. Uh, the power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but in the one to come. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be the head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. So we're coming back to, to verse 20 here. The mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his 
right hand. And so here we have the power of God represented here in the Father. And just hold your right hand up for us, Sean. Good, you chose the right one. Well done, well done. The right hand of, of God. And we see over a hundred times through Scripture the right hand talked about. And, and the right hand is, is a symbol of blessing, of power, of victory. And so Christ sits at the right hand of God in the place of victory. He is our victory. Our life has been purchased through all that Jesus Christ has done. And so as we come before God, we have no standing in and of ourselves. Our best religious efforts fall epically short of God's perfect standards. And so Jesus Christ came. He lived the perfect life for you and I in our place. He then paid the price. He gave his life. He died for you and I and his blood. Shedding of his blood is for our sin. He wasn't trapped in the grave. But after three days, he rose. He saw hundreds and sparked hope and life and faith again as he moved around and encouraged the disciples. And then he ascended into heaven and, and sits at the right hand of the throne of God, interceding for you and I. So here's a picture of, of what we have in heaven right now. And now, I, uh, Ethan, you can come and join us. So uh, you can just, just come and oh, just go stand, stand over on the side, yeah, just, just for now. So what I, what I want to do is we're going we're gonna to leap into Psalm 16, verse 8 to 11, just for a little, a little sec. And, and this, is, this is incredible what we see here in the writings of David. As David was before his time, he had a connection to the heart of God that was extraordinary, where he writes through his experience of God and he writes prophetically about what is to come that he had a taste of that we get to live in. And we see that in these passages here, Psalm 16, verse 8 to 11. I keep my eyes always on the Lord. With him at my right hand, I will not be shaken. And just... Come over here. So, Ethan, where's your right hand? Okay, so come over here for us. And so, right hand. So, let's, let's just see if this, if this works. So, keep my eyes always on the Lord. Good work. With him at my right hand, I will not be shaken. Okay, so we've got the imagery here. Verse 9. Therefore, my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices. My body also will rest secure. Because you will not abandon me to the realm of the dead, nor will you let your faithful ones see decay. You make known to me the path of life. You will find me with joy in your presence, with eternal pleasures at your right hand. So these eternal pleasures that are at your right hand. So Father, your right hand. Okay, so eternal pleasures, power, authority at the right hand. But Ethan, representing you and I, is here on the left hand because it was like with, with you, Lord, on my right hand, I will not be shaken. And, and what we have is we, we have this incredible prophetic insight that David had on behalf of humanity. 
where he is seeing the risen Christ before he is the risen Christ. And so where David belongs is right here in between father, nice shimmy, in between father and son. And so when David is praying, when he is writing, he is actually prophesying here, I keep my eyes always on the Lord. With him at my right hand, I will not be shaken. He's talking about the Messiah. He's talking about the Christ. This is alive in his heart before he had the full understanding of what it even was that he was talking about. And he is safe and secure here as we go down. You make known to me the path of life. You fill me with joy in your presence, with eternal pleasures at your right hand. And here he is on the right hand of the Father in that place of power. And Psalm 16 is quoted in Acts chapter 2. It's talked about in this mighty passage in Acts chapter 2. And, and here again, we, we see it's clear that David is writing about a time that is to come. As now Peter in this, this preach in, in Ephesians 2, he is referring back to David's revelation and David's prophetic insight about who Jesus Christ is. And in Ephesians 2 verse 6, we see in God raised us up. I want you to I want you to get this. God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him. God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him. And so if we could see it this way, it's like Jesus has like a double throne. It's big enough for the both of us. And so through the extraordinary grace of God, you and I, broken humans, somehow could have the audacity, the hope to shimmy on in between the Father and the Son and think that we would belong here. But through all that Jesus Christ has done, we become worthy of this place of honour this place of power with the Father's strong right hand on our back here in this place where our strength comes from the risen Christ and He is our strength. He is our portion. And when we think about ourselves stuck in life, remember where we have been placed. Remember where we stand or where we sit. Remember the price that was paid so we could dare to even think that we would belong in the same universe as our God, let alone be in the place of honour. And so when we think about ourselves, this is the framework God wants to see ourselves in because this is what he's purchased for us. And when we think we're not worthy, we actually belittle the victory of Christ. And when we try and put all other tick boxes and dot points and qualifications and this or that around it, we take out the full victory of Christ. And our ability to be here is found by our surrender to His Lordship. We come through this doorway of grace and we take a step of faith that says, yes, Jesus, through you I belong. And then as we step into that place, then we see ourselves here in this place Psalm 16 verse 8 in the Passion Translation says it this way. 
because you are close to me and always available, my confidence will never be shaken, for I experience your wraparound presence. I experience, put yourself here in Ethan's shoes. Let's let ourselves experience his wraparound presence. Father, Son, wraparound presence for you and I through all that Christ has provision. Can we thank our... Thanks, guys. That was point three. Now, point four actually goes next level, but we don't have time. So you'll have to get next week's podcast from HH. And some of you are thinking the Holy Ghost is a little bit left out here. And so you're actually like just feeling a bit bad for the Holy Spirit right now. And uh, point four. (laughs) Point four, baby. It's... uh, it's good. Hey, stand with me. We're going we're gonna to pray. Thank you, Jesus. Just close your eyes just where you are. I just want you to open, open your hearts afresh. I talked about that decision I made at 19, saying, God, I'm really in. I just don't want to be around. I want to be in. I, I really want to know you. And could we all make that decision here today? Whether it's for the first time and and maybe you're kind of new in church and you're figuring this stuff out. Just open your heart right now, God. I want to know you. I want to know if this is all legit. Come and make your home in my heart. Lord, I pray that you would do that right now. Lord, let hearts be open to your glorious love. Lord, let your truth be awakened. In Jesus' name. And God, for those of us who have been following you for years, maybe even decades, God, would you help us have those on person moments? God, we want to know you more. The victory that was won on our behalf and the victory that we get to walk in here in our lives. God, the love that you have for us, let it grow deeper into our hearts, higher into our minds, wider into our arms of love, longer into our experience. Lord, we need you. We thank you that we are strong in you, chosen, secure, safe. And so be honoured in our lives. God, we take our rightful place through all Christ has done. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen. Beautiful. Beautiful. You can open your eyes if you haven't already. If you're new with us, amen's normally a trigger to open your eyes, just so, just helping you out. It's good. You guys are awesome. So good to be with you. Beautiful QB family. Amazing. Love your pastors. Can we show some love for Pastor Nicole, Pastor Steve? Can I, can I say these guys have discovered things in God that go really deep 
that help me have a wider understanding because we all need each other. And so continue to open your hearts and, man, let's do this. He's got a glorious call for each and every one of us. And let's dive in. Love you guys. Thank you. Thanks so much for joining us today on this podcast. We encourage you to let this word further help you live and share the life to the full that Jesus gives. If you want to check out more of our upcoming events, service times, locations, or to give online, head to c3hh.com.au forward slash give.